Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Amen. The Bible as we know it is divided into two sections. Most of you know this, but if you don't, let me just tell you real quick. It's divided into the Old Testament and into the New Testament. The Old Testament is the old covenant that we had before Jesus came. The New Testament is the new covenant that we had after the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ. The Old Testament was the time when people lived under law and numerous commands and directives that came from the Lord. The New Testament was known as the covenant of grace. Amen. Now, that period of time when Jesus was here was technically still under the Old Covenant But it was also, there was a lot of gray areas, right? Because Jesus had begun instructing them about grace and about the time of grace that was to come. Now, during the the, uh, the time of Jesus, can't get my timer to start. Okay, there we go. I was going to preach an hour if that thing didn't start. Amen. (laughs) During the time of Jesus, the teachers of the law of Moses had identified a total of 613 commandments in the Old Covenant. They concluded that 248 of them were positive commands to be obeyed and 365 of them were prohibitions to be avoided. I guess you have one thing every day you could try to avoid, right? 365 negative commands. Now, one of the favorite pastimes of the Jewish religious leaders They like to debate among themselves about the commands, trying to discern which one was the most important or even the most significant one. And, you know, I used to kind of think, man, those guys, I don't know why they did that until I became a preacher. And then I found out that religious leaders today still like to debate, right, about stuff that they think is important or maybe not important. And it was in this context, though, that, Jesus, we find in Mark chapter 12, was confronted by one of these scholars or one of these learned men about the Scripture. So I'd like you to go in your Bibles with me, if you would, to Mark chapter 12 and verse 28. And it says this, one of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments Which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. But then he threw in a little curveball. Verse 31. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment, notice singular, is greater than these. Two parts of one command. Now, Jesus lays it out pretty clearly, pretty simply. He makes it really easy to understand, and I'm going to break it down even further. He said this, you must love God and others. Amen. 
And he said, there's no greater commandment than these. Now, apparently, they got the message. Over time, the disciples and the early church, they learned the message. They understood the message. They tried to focus on the same message as Jesus. And the proof that they got this right, in fact, was that they began to teach and preach the same thing. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul from the book of Romans. Romans chapter 13 and verse 8. He said, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not cover. And I love that he slid this part in. And whatever other commands there may be. <laughs> in other words, whatever else you can think of. Pull them on, bring them up. He said they're all summed up in one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 10, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Verse 9 in the NIV said it this way. Whatever other commands there may be are all summed up in this one command. The New Living Translation, it said, these and other commandments are summed up in this one commandment. The New King James said it this way. If there is any other commandment, they're all summed up in this. So in verse 10, Paul summed it up really well. He said, love is the fulfillment of the law. He said, it's all summed up in one command. Your neighbor is to be loved as you love yourself. And when I read this recently, just a few weeks ago when I was doing my devotions, it hit me once again, just the simplicity, yet the powerful life-changing force that love is. So I want to preach on this subject today. Like what Paul said, it's all summed up in one command. I want to preach on this subject, the sum of all things. The sum of all things. Now, Jesus' answer to the question, which commandment is the most important in Mark 12, began with what the Hebrews called, his answer did, what, what, what the Hebrews called the Shema. The Shema in Hebrew is the word for here, and the Shema is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. And every practicing Jew could have quoted this to you. Here it is. Matter of fact, why don't you read it with me? Can we do that together? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Every devout Jew started their day by saying the Shema, and they ended their day by saying the Shema. And the Shema was highly revered by the Jews. And the first part of Jesus' answer did not surprise anybody. Jesus said, here it is, boys. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. In other words, love God. But then Jesus added something. Added something to the Shema. And it was probably a surprise to everybody when they heard him do it. Now, it wasn't new, but hear me, it had never been elevated to the status of loving God. And here's what it was. And it's found in Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18. Leviticus 19, 18 says, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but here it is. Love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. 
See, this commandment, love your neighbor as yourself, it was reiterated all throughout the Old Testament. So there was nothing especially new or novel, maybe about the substance of this command. But when Jesus came to earth and visibly demonstrated that kind of love publicly, amen, and it was a love that was never before seen by man, the cross of Calvary was God's demonstration of that kind of love, amen. And no one had ever seen God's love demonstrated in such an incredible, sacrificial way. But why did Jesus give two answers to a question of which one command is the greatest? Because I'm going to tell you why. There is a strong connection between these two that are inseparable. Don't miss this. How we show love for others is an indicator of how we love God. Amen. That's what the Bible says. And I'm going to show you as we unpack this here today. Amen. Paul said, summing it up in one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love others. And folks, if we can learn to understand that connection and live that principle and be reminded of the power of real love, we are going to be operating and living at the very heartbeat of what God desires for us as his people. Amen. God's love stems for us, stems from his grace. Our love for God stems from our gratitude. But our gratitude is best expressed in how we love others. I'm going to say that again, amen. God's love for us stems from his grace. Our love for God stems from our gratitude. But our gratitude is best expressed or demonstrated by how we love other people. To love God is to make whatever matters to God matter to us. And do you know what really matters most to God? People do. Not the rules. Come on, not the 613 commands. Not the rituals, not the ceremonies, not the religious traditions. Come on, people. Now I want you to notice how John summarizes this in the New Testament in two verses. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10 and 11. He said, this is love. Notice, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And I notice verse 11. Since God so loved us, we also ought to love God just as much. Now take a look at the screen. Hey, just in case you weren't paying attention. Now it says, since God so loved us, we also ought to love him back the same way. No. John throws a curveball. John says, guess what? Since God loved us so much, we're supposed to love one another. Huh. Plot twist. <laughs> Game changer. But how many of you will admit that loving others is sometimes easier said than done? I used to love to read the comics uh, in the newspaper when I was growing up. And then even after we first got married, uh, newspapers were still a big thing. I used to like to buy the Sunday paper on the way home from church. And I'd go home, and I'd read the paper, and we'd pull out the coupons. And I couldn't wait to get to the colored section, the comics. Amen. And one of my favorite comics was, uh, was uh, Peanuts. And I love something that Snoopy said one time. He said, I love mankind, but it's the people that I can't stand. <laughs> Now, don't raise your hand, but how many of you ever thought, you know, I love mankind, but sometimes I can't stand people? <laughs> Amen. It's the truth. 
Love really is the sum of all things, but you know what? Love is complicated. And I'll tell you one reason why love is so complicated, because in the English language, love means a whole lot of things. Let me prove it to you. I love barbecue. I do. Ribs, brisket, pork, chicken, you name it. Amen. I, I don't care. I love barbecue. Guess what else? I love my wife. I love ice cream. I love my kids. Amen. I love football. Go Cowboys. Amen. I love my grandkids. Amen. I love coffee. I love Eddie Wilbur. I love my biological brother Lee and David. I love my sister Mary and I love my mama. Amen. Don't you be talking about my mama. What am I trying to say? Hopefully my love for barbecue is not the same as my love for my wife. <laughs> Hopefully when I say I love coffee, you're not misunderstanding the fact that I don't love coffee as much as I love my grandbabies. Hopefully you understand that when I say I love Eddie Wilbur, who's my brother in the Lord, that that's different than me saying I love my brother Lee Thompson, who is my biological brother. See, love means a lot of different things. Love, because we just got this one big word and we use it pretty broadly, amen? Josh McDowell said this, and I think this is so true, and I quote, he said, I believe two of the greatest fears people struggle with today are the fear that they will, one, never be loved, or two, that they will never be able to love. Oh, let me help you right now. This is where the body of Christ can step right in. Come on, this is where being a child of God is so important because not only do we have the opportunity to be loved, we also have the opportunity to love other people. It's like I preached about last week, connecting changes everything, amen. Everybody say love. Why is it so hard sometimes to love others, even if you're a Christian? When things are going smooth, right, when relationships are, you know, in that acceptable balance of give and take, then you know what, I can love just as much as the next guy. But what happens when a relationship becomes more give than take? Come on, somebody. What happens when your neighbor keeps creating problems so they don't understand boundaries? I could tell you some funny stories about that, but I won't go there, amen, from my past. What happens when your spouse is continually insensitive? What if your coworker is always trying to undermine you? What, my point is this. If we try to love our neighbor as ourselves, don't miss this part, by ourselves, we will not have the desire or the ability to live up to that standard. Come on. We are not able to love that way without the help of the Lord. Amen. And the only way we're going to be able to be consistently live a life of loving others as ourselves is to be motivated to do so by God's incredible love for us and by being divinely enabled to love others through Him. See, folks, hear me. That's why we've got to begin with our relationship with God first. Now, I don't want you to miss this part, amen? And then we can address our relationships with others. Here's what I know. I will usually put you last unless I put God first. Amen. And so will you. If God is not first in your life, here's what I know. Other people are not going to be first in your life. 
Other things are not going to be first in your life. Amen. So don't just skip over that part. Some of you right now here, but you are wrestling with relationships. You are wrestling with past hurts. You are wrestling with letting your walls down, with loving people that have hurt you. Come on. But you cannot fix that until you take a look at your walk with Jesus. Pastor, I love Jesus. That's why I'm at church. I'm not doubting that. But I've just got to ask you, do you put him first? Do you love him first? Do you serve him first? Is he really the Lord of your life or just the Lord of your lips? Come on, amen. Is he the Lord of your money? Is he the Lord of your calendar? Amen. Is he Lord of your relationships? See, we got to make sure we cover that part first before we start trying to fix all of our love issues. Amen. Amen. That's good stuff. Good preaching, Pastor. Good preaching. Hallelujah. Just gonna pat myself on the back there. Amen. <laughs> Let's take another look at our text, Romans 13, verse 8. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Let me just stop right there. Let no debt remain outstanding. What do you think about if you run into somebody that you owe money to? Now, hopefully, you don't owe a whole lot of people money. But what's your first reaction when you see somebody? Maybe you've been ditching and dodging them for a while. I don't know. What's, what's the first thing? you Oh, oh, this is uncomfortable. Or, oh, I need to have a conversation with them. Oh, I need to set up a payment plan. I need to, when you see somebody that you're in debt to, at a minimum, hear me, it reminds you that you owe them something. And guess what, folks? I got to remind us of something. Every single one of us as believers are in debt. And Paul told us what the debt was. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to what? To love one another. You are never going to pay that debt off. You know why? Every day when we wake up, His grace and His mercy are new every morning. Come on, every time you ask him to forgive you, he pours just a little bit more love on you. And now I need to love somebody else. Come on, every time there's something going on, we every time you realize that the blood of Jesus flows daily and fresh in my life, that his spirit is in me. That debt I can never repay. So I just have to continue to exercise the debt to love one another. It's a debt that we can't repay. It's a debt of love that we owe to the Lord. But here's the plot twist again. Are you ready? He asked us to repay it to others, not to him. That's the part that's so amazing to me. That's the part that just, he doesn't just ask me just to go through my religious rituals and check off my list. Did I pray? Yes. Did I read my Bible? Yes. Did I pay my tithes this week? Yes. Am I serving? Eh. Uh, skip that one. Uh, am I on a dream team? Yes. No, he just says, I want you to love other people. Every command of God is boiled down to the one, love your neighbor as yourself. And if we love our neighbors as ourselves, that means I won't harm them. That means I won't gossip about them. That means I'm not going to lie about them. That means I'm not going to envy them. I'm not going to judge them. That's why love is the answer. That's why love is the sum of all things. How many of you know it's, it's really painful? Have you ever seen when somebody's just really being mean to their kids 
or mean to their spouse or they're just kind of a toxic person and they're playing games on the job. They're just playing these emotional games with people. Man, it's hard to see that, right? It's, it's painful to see that. Can you imagine how much, if that bothers you, how much it grieves the Lord? It's painful to see. Even sometimes how we fail to love each other in the church, in the body of Christ. I've said it before, I'll say it again. You don't have to like everybody at church. But you do have to love everybody. Amen. It's true. This shouldn't happen in the family of God. Some of our problems in loving others, whether they be in our home or in the church or in the community, it comes from the fact that sometimes people are wounded. Amen. People are unhealthy. Some people are immature. Some people are hurting. And you know what hurting people do? They hurt people. Hurting people hurt people. Wounded people wound others. Amen? We need to remember that. That's why sometimes it's such a challenge to love. But the good news is that God can do a marvelous work in our lives. He can bring the healing and the health that we need when we try to love other people as we love ourselves. Here's what John said, John 13, 34. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you. And here it is again. There's that twist. Just as I have loved you, what? Love each other. Come here, Austin. Run up here real quick. It's real simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. How many of you like this good-looking young man? This is Austin. Amen. You want to know what we have to do? Are you ready? Zoom in, camera. Come on, zoom in. There we go. Love like Jesus. Thank you, sir. Love like Jesus. Love like Jesus. How did Jesus love? He forgave. He loved. He gave his life. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah, they do, but they really don't. Forgive them. But see, you know what? I, this verse says, so now I am giving you a new commandment. See, it wasn't just a suggestion. It was a command. But you know what I love? Anything that God commands us to do, he also enables us to do. He empowers us to do. He will never command you to do something that you cannot do. He will never, there's nothing in the Bible that he asks us to do that he knows we're not capable of doing, either by ourselves or with the help of the Holy Ghost. Amen? And that's where it comes in. That's where it makes a difference. You say, man, I can't do this. I've tried this. Here's what Romans 5 and 5 says. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us. Anybody know how dearly God loves you? Can I get an amen? Well, look at the rest of this verse. Because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Hallelujah. He fills our hearts with his love. And the Holy Spirit can produce in us the fruit of the Spirit. And it includes love. The love of God is the answer. Love that is modeled after a love that would lay down his life. Love that is modeled after a love that was there despite my sinful condition. The love of God. And it doesn't come from an impulse or a feeling. It's not based on physical attraction. It's not tainted with my selfishness. What can you do for me? What do I get out of that deal? No, it's not that way. And he puts it in our heart. And it's more than words. It's action. The love of God is so much higher than our love. Because as much as we try, you and I cannot love unconditionally without the help of God. Robin and I just had a conversation about that this week. 
about unconditional love. And we kind of came to the conclusion, this was what we thought, and this isn't biblical, but this is just our understanding. We felt like the closest you could come to unconditional love on this side of earth is loving your children. Are any parents would agree with that? No matter how bad your kids mess up, you still love them, right? You still love them, amen? You still, and then we had an interesting discussion about unconditional love and marriage. We still haven't figured that one out yet, amen? She said, I think you can't have unconditional love in a marriage. I said, I'm not so sure about that, amen? <laughs> We're still working on that. Here's what I know. With the help of God, though, I can learn to love my brothers and sisters, amen? You know what the Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 13, 4? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Sometimes I read these verses in, in wedding ceremonies, and I just get so tickled. The, you know, the groom is standing there, and the bride's standing there, and they're looking at each other, and they're smiling, and there's tears running down their cheeks, and, man, they're just gooing and gone at each other. And I go, love is patient. And they go, oh, yes. <laughs> love is kind. And then here's the part. It does not envy. Oh, I'll never do that. It doesn't boast. It doesn't keep score. Oh, we'll never keep score. And then I think, yeah, come back and see me in six months. Amen. <laughs> Let's read these verses again. Because guess what happens? Life happens. But folks, I'm telling you, the way the world, the Bible says, this is how the world knows we are his disciples. Hallelujah. Not by how many scriptures you quote. Not by what political party you vote for. Not how many issues you stand for or against. Come on. It's how we love one another. And I would submit to you that the harder it is to love people, the more like Jesus you are. And the eyes of people around you. But here's the real test. Okay, man, pastor, we got it. We got it. We got to love other people. I'm not done tightening the screws yet. Are you ready? Here's what he did. He didn't just say love your neighbor. He said love him what? As yourself. Oh. <laughs> love your neighbor as yourself. That's going to be hard because I love me some me. <laughs> I love me some me. I already got my afternoon planned. We're going to go home and have some birthday cake. I'm going to prop my feet up, I'm going to drink coffee, and I'm going to watch football till my eyes are bleeding. Amen. Because I love me some me. Did you ever notice that the Bible doesn't spend very much time at all? Matter of fact, I need to find a scripture about telling us and reminding us how often that we need to love ourselves. You know, we don't have any problems with that. Most of the decisions we make, and you don't have to admit this, they are filtered through the lens of self. How does this affect me? How does this affect my finances? How does this affect my calendar? How is this going to affect me on the job? What is this going to do? And then we've also got the extension of self, which is how does this affect my children? How does this affect my grandchildren? How does this affect my wife or my husband? And you know, a lot of times we get real noble. No, it's not about me. It's about my family. Guess what? My family is also me. 
Because when you're good to my family, you're good to me. When you're mean to my family, you go on my blacklist. Oh, I still love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you, but you better watch it, brother. Amen. See, because we have no problem loving ourselves. Amen. As a matter of fact, I believe in self-care. I believe in self-love. I think we need to take care of ourselves. But we've also got to be very careful because self-love also leads, the Bible says, can lead to sin. It does. That's what the Scripture tells us. How does it affect me? Philippians 2 and verse 3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. Here it is. Look. Value others above yourselves. Man, the Bible it's tough. You thought the law was hard, living under grace. Great day. <laughs> Value others above yourselves. See, the problem is not that we don't love ourselves, but that sometimes we love ourselves too much and others too little. Self-love can easily morph from a natural state of self-preservation to a corruption, which is Natural or normal, but sinful. Think about this. Most sins stem from the love of self. Hatred, greed, envy, murder, all this. I'm looking out for me, right? Fornication, adultery, addictions, gossip, slander, arrogance. Amen. I can stop or I can continue. It's all rooted in self. Amen. 1 Peter 4 and 8, though, here's what I love. The verse says, and above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. God's love covers a multitude of my sins, but guess what I've learned? My love for others also covers a multitude of sins against me. Grievances against me. Hurts against me. And there's so many themes that run throughout the Bible. Holiness, obedience, stewardship, Grace, law, mercy. But there's no greater theme in the Scripture than the theme of love. It is the sum of all things. It captures the very heartbeat of God. Galatians 5 and verse 14 says, For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. I want the praise team to come on up. I'm going to send you home a little early today. I want to read a scripture for you. One time I sent people home. They said, yeah, you're only doing that because it's football season. Amen. Uh, I got a DVR. I got a DVR, so it don't matter when I go home. Amen. But let me read the scripture to you, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 8. But I wanted to read it to you from the message. By the way, the message is a paraphrase. It's not a translation, but it's really clear. I love how it says this. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 8. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but I don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to the mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. Huh. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say or what I believe or what I do, I am bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. 
Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep scores of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. In the first service while I was reading those verses, literally it popped in my head. We could have a 13-week marriage group just by reading those verses and unpacking each one of these points every week. Love doesn't force itself on others. That could be the topic for the week. And the issue that we need to go home with, folks, love is hard work. Can everybody say amen to that? But it's the answer. It's the sum of all things. Not just touchy-feely, humanistic love, but real, divine, practical, sacrificial love. C.S. Lewis wrote something in Mere Christianity, and I couldn't find the exact quote, so I'm paraphrasing. But this is what he said. He said, we spend too much time worrying about whether we love our neighbors or not, when we should just act as if we do. And notice this. And as we do loving things, love will happen. Oh, i got to say that again. I wish I'd have thought of that. As we do loving things, love will happen. Well, I don't know how I'm supposed to love so-and-so. Just start doing loving things. Send them a text. Call them. There's a novel thought. Amen. Write them a card. Make them a cake. Or some barbecue. Amen. Do loving things. If somebody pops in your mind, you know what I've learned, at least in my life? If somebody pops in my mind, if I'm able to, I like to immediately text them or call them or say a prayer over them. This morning while I was studying again, I, I usually get up early on Sunday and fine-tune the sermon a little bit. And it was early. And I, somebody's mind popped into my head. So, I mean, somebody popped into my mind. And I thought, and I have a relationship with this person, but we don't communicate often, but I did have their phone number. And you know what I did? I sent them a text, and I said, hey, I just wanted you to know, I was thinking about you just now, and I prayed for you. And then right before church started, they texted back and said, thank you, I just had surgery. I didn't know anything about it. I just had surgery. I appreciate you contacting me. And you know what? It's that simple, folks. Do loving things. For people, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand with me right now. As we do loving things, love will happen. Here's what I want us to do this week. Here's what the challenge I want us to make today, the application of this message. Right now, we're going to pray, and I want you to think about somebody that you can express love to. Maybe it's somebody that you have a, a, a broken or a fractured relationship with. Maybe the Lord wants you to make an effort to extend an olive branch. Maybe it's somebody in your family. Maybe it's, maybe it's somebody that you haven't spoken to in a while. Or maybe it's somebody that could, get, that could stand a hand. A little bit of love. Whatever it is. Do loving things. And love will happen. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want us to pray. And as we pray, and if not today, this week, I want you to think of somebody that you can show love to.
And I'm going to challenge you. When they, when they pop into your head, I want you to pick up the phone and call them or text them or whatever. Invite them to church. Just show them love, whatever you need to do. But say, God, I'm going to do some loving things because love is the sum of all things. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray over this congregation today. Lord, we know how much you loved us. That's not in question. That's never been in question. We are so thankful. And God, we serve you with our whole heart and with joy. But sometimes I forget, God, that the way you really want me to love you back is by loving my brother or loving my sister. Not just the ones that are easy to love. Not just the ones that are, that are easy to, to be with. But God, sometimes you want me to love the unlovable. Sometimes, God, you want me to love the difficult ones. Sometimes, God, you just want me to love who's in front of me in the moment. And God, I just ask you to give me grace and wisdom. Help me, Lord, to act when you speak. Help me, Lord, to move when you prompt. Help me, God, to be a disciple. Help me to show the world that I really am a believer by how much I love others. And I ask it in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Now, as is our custom, we're going to give you an opportunity to come down to this altar. And if you'd like to, I'd like you to just step right out and say, God, I want to be a vessel, God, of love. I want to be somebody that you can use. I want to be somebody, God, that can make a difference. Our team's going to begin to sing. Would you come on down and let's begin to pray together for a few moments as we close this service. Amen. God, I want to be a vessel of love. I want to be a vessel of love. I want to love my spouse better. I want to love my kids better. Another one, I am free. I am free. 
thanks for watching. Be sure to subscribe to this channel so you never miss one of our videos or live streams in the future. Also, take a moment and share this with a friend. Be sure to join us 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. each week live as we celebrate Jesus together here at Life Church. God bless you.